at the light! I can't help it. It's so beautiful. You are, you are now tuning in to Reform Raza. Our aim is to glorify God through the edification of the saints. Expect practical theology and a draw to be biblical. So if you ask us who we do this for... Because this is for the Raza. This is for the Raza. This is Reform Raza. My name is Martin Velasquez alongside with my brothers. This is Justin Corona. And what up everybody? This is Brother Rick. And this is Reform Raza. This is a podcast where we talk about things that people don't want to talk about. And that's how we do right here. You know what I mean? Uh, so we got some very, very very awesome news right here um have you seen if you follow us on instagram which i encourage everyone to do go ahead and hit us up on instagram on facebook go ahead and hit that five star like button on apple podcast wherever you're listening to we're on spotify we're on stitcher we're on podbean wherever you listen to podcasts that's where you can find us but if you've been following the instagram you know that we posted some on our story and and on the we posted about this new thing that, that that's going down. We are starting alongside with some brothers, uh, an online radio show. Legit, bruh. And radio station. Radio station. So it's going to be... If you're familiar with RefNet, um, you know how, how they do the 24-7 uh, radio station. You know, you can download the app and they have, you know, Ligonier teaching on there. They got John MacArthur. They got hymns. They got all kinds of things that's going on 24-7, and that's what we're going to do, but we're going to do it for the, for the, in the urban context for people like us, man, who are minorities, but we're, we're into solid teaching, we're into solid doctrine, and we want to be able to edify those because, you know, people like us, we don't really have nothing to, to, to point at or look at or look at or even be entertained by that is something that we can, you know, align ourselves with um, biblically, um, even in the reform context that we can say, hey, man, I'm hood, I'm urban, man, and I'm also reformed, you know, so we bring all, all that with us, you know what I mean? We bring the way we talk, the way we dress, we, we bring the hip-hop culture with us, you know what I mean? So this radio station, we're going to have um, sermons, uh, we're going to have shows, podcasts on there, we're going to have teaching, scripture reading, um, Christian hip hop, man, all all of it, man. We're, gonna, we're we're working to get some good music on here. So, Justin, go ahead and fill us in. What what's so it about? The name of the the online radio station is called Redeemed Project Radio, and it's an online radio station that will provide solid biblical content through the means of music podcast shows sermons teaching scriptures reading and much more from a reformed perspective now right here i'm, I'm just reading through the bio that that we have that uh, our brother arturo put up man shout out to arturo he 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 really uh he, he put in some some work when it comes to some of these writings uh he goes on to point out our team as of now consists of four online ministries 
which is Saints Edified Podcast, um, which is Arturo Hurtado. Reform Raza, yours truly. Uh, for Christ E. Cultura Podcast, Jonathan Gonzalez. Oh, bro, come on, you gotta hear it. Hey, hey, and also the proverbial life with Edwin Ramirez. So, uh, man, th- how this started, man, we, we basically uh, were invited into a Facebook group by um, Arturo. And from there, he just mentioned about radio, online radio station. And it's funny because around that time, me and Martin were talking about that mm-hmm. off. Like we haven't even mentioned it to anybody. But we're just like, man, that'd be cool if we if we were able to do some type of radio station like that. But nothing ever happened. And then here comes a brother that mentions it. And then, and then all of us just were like, man, let's do this. Yeah, dude. So then we started meeting on, on Zoom and we're able to talk out some of the things. And now things are starting to move forward, uh, man. And, and we're all very excited. So lastly, I do want to read real quick our goal for this online radio station which is our aim is to edify and encourage all Christian believers, but we'll have a heavy focus on urban communities, minorities, young people, and young families. We don't want to hide the fact that our theology is reformed. The majority of content will make that very clear, including the music we play. However, we want to carry that same energy when it comes to the cultures God blessed us with. We happen to be Christian who grew up in urban communities and or minority households in the u.s which can be seen in how we talk what we listen to how we act and etc we don't plan on hiding our theology as much as we don't plan on hiding our culture this is what makes redeemed project radio what it is i think that last part was really dope we don't plan on hiding our theology as much as we don't plan on hiding our culture and that that that, that thing that sums up the title redeemed project radio so man so we um the go the the gofundme is up so you know in order to make this possible you know what i mean there has to be some fatty involved and you know nothing's free nothing like that it's gonna be free to to the listener of course yeah but it takes a little bit of money to to, to get it popping to get, get it, it started and get it going you know what i mean um so we usually don't do that you know what i mean but you know if if the lord so has led you to be like man that's dope i want to see it happen uh go ahead and hit that right um we'll have a link in the episode notes we'll have the link on our um instagram page and and i believe we've already posted it on our facebook but man if god even leads you just to donate a dollar or five dollars whatever it is you are five bucks 20 bucks a thousand dollars sow your seed you know what i mean (laughs) sow your seed to the ministry (laughs) you'll reap a harvest Yeah, man. So, gracias uh, to to uh, you know Arturo, Jonathan, and Edwin, man, for just their dedication and their time to make this poppin. And yeah, man, it's gonna happen, man. You it's know, gonna happen. It's gonna happen pretty soon. So, within before the end of the year, it's gonna it's gonna be launched. So, uh, go ahead and hit that GoFundMe. Get we ready. Truly, truly appreciate that. So, yeah, boy. So, what what are we gonna get into today? So today we are going to be talking about irresistible grace, Ooh, which la, is the la. fourth point of the five of Tulip, um, or better wise known as the effectual calling. And so um, I'm going to go ahead and open up with a chapter 10 on effectual calling from the Westminster Confession of Faith. 
And it says, All those whom God hath predestined unto life, and those only he is pleased in his appointed and accepted time, effectually to call by his word and spirit out of that state of sin and death in which they are by nature to grace and salvation by Jesus Christ, enlightening their minds spiritually and savingly to understand the things of God, taking away their heart of stone and giving unto them an heart of flesh, renewing their wills and by his almighty power, determining them to that which is good and effectually drawing them to Jesus Christ. Yet so as they come most freely, being made willing by his grace. This effectual call is of God's free and special grace alone, not from anything at all foreseen in man, who is altogether passive therein until being quickened and renewed by the Holy Spirit. He is therefore enabled to answer this call and to embrace the grace offered and conveyed in it. Elect infants dying in infancy are regenerated and saved by grace by Christ through the Spirit who worketh when and where and how he pleaseth. So also are all other elect persons who are incapable of being outwardly called by the ministry of the word. Others not elected, although they may be called by the ministry of the word and may have some common operations of the spirit, yet they never truly come to Christ and therefore cannot be saved. Much less can men not professing the Christian religion be saved in any other way whatsoever, be they never so diligent to frame their lives according to the light of nature and the law of that religion they do profess, and to assert and maintain that they may is very, permiss- is very pernicious and to be detested. It's quite a handful. Yeah, that's a <laughs> handful. It's a lot to digest right there. But, but I mean, if you're able to pick up the Westminster Confession of Faith, um, it will go ahead and list many scriptures that it will point to where they find this summary um, in the in the scriptures as far as from the Westminster uh, Confession of Faith. But today we will be giving you our um, commentary and, and our example of this. And uh, so before you, before you get this popping like that, I just want to say that it's when we say irresistible grace we're not saying that god's grace cannot be resisted completely i think that's a mis there's a little misconception with the term irresistible grace like people resist god all the time you know what i mean how can you say irresistible grace uh, but what we're, we're going to get into later on is you know there's an outward call and there's an inward call and the inward call those who have been elected of God will be a point where they can no longer resist the call that they would submit their themselves unto the Lord. And those who have not been drawn in, um, they do resist um, the call to salvation. So we're not saying that um, God's grace is completely uh, irresistible, but we just want to emphasize that those whom God has called will come to him. They will come. It might not be today, tomorrow. It may be 20 years from now. But they will answer that call. But I just want to make that clear. You know what I mean? Every time I hear of irresistible grace, I always have that picture in, a picture in mind of Bugs Life. <laughs> the Bugs 
Man. I didn't like the, I, I, one, one bug was like, no, what are you doing? And then the other bug goes, I can't help it. It's so beautiful. Don't look into the light. And then he gets out. <laughs> man, we, we watch too many Disney movies. Yeah, we watch too many uh, Disney movies. But, but, the, but, the, but just that picture right there that, that God's grace is so irresistible that you your eyes are open to the beauty, to the light. It, it's literally your eyes are open. And how how can you go back to being blind when you're, when God has opened your eyes to the beauty of who Christ is and your need for Christ? It's like, how can you turn back to those old ways? But I want to encourage you who are listening right now. Go if you haven't yet, go back to the to the to the to the episodes. The, the misconceptions, the, the total depravity, unconditional election, limited atonement, because if you do not know about these previous ones, you're not going to be able to really fully understand what irresistible grace means, because it, it, it's all a system. I always say it like this. It's like a domino effect. You can't have one without the, the other. You can't be a one point Calvinist, two point, three point. You got to be all points because in all reality, it doesn't make sense if you're if you're only three or four point Calvinists. You gotta you gotta look at the whole picture. So so just to recap a little bit, total depravity. We're all in sin. We're un- incapable of coming to God, and so God must do something. Which is why we brought up unconditional election. That that God has His elect people, and the question that always comes up with election is always this: It's always why does God choose certain people to be saved? But I love uh, Pastor Chris's response from, from Sunday service. Why would God choose anybody at all? That's, 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 that's why these uh, doctrines are not just called Calvinists. They're called the doctrines of grace because it truly is the work of God. And we had that limited atonement, which I know some, some people kind of got a little iffy about it. But there has to be an atonement specifically for a group of people because if not like i said god's love is just reckless and it's just like you know okay god god will come to people Over, or not, or like, overwhelming <laughs> <laughs> don't so just, front you know you like that song <laughs> you know you'd be bumping in the shower and like, um, but now we come to this point of irresistible grace and just like in the past episodes before we want to get the the arminian point of view and yeah. so i want to read the arminian point of view because justin just just nailed it right there with with a with a Calvinistic view, but Armenian point of view is this: the work of the Holy Spirit in regeneration, limited by the human will. This taught that the Holy Spirit, as He began to work to bring a person to Christ, could be effectually resisted and His purposes frustrated. He could not impart life unless the sinner was willing to have his life imparted. Now that doesn't make sense at all. <laughs> I don't know how how the Armenians uh, got to this point, but but let me get, let me get get you in a, in a in a picture of today. It's basically you go to church service, and the altar call comes up at the end of service, and says, "If you are willing, God will come to you. You just have to accept Christ or 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 kind of like open your heart to Him." But but it's, that to me is very misleading because if we listen to the past years before, we we cannot come to God on our own. There's no one good. No, no one, no one is righteous. And so I guess the big question for here is how does one come to Christ? How does one come to him? Is it because you let your, uh, is it because the Holy Spirit was trying to come in, you kind of opened the door to your heart. He said, come on in. I'm right here. Or did God just come in and said, no, you're mine. And so the first question that I have 
just how, how Martin addressed it before would be this. Is it possible for someone to resist the grace of God? And that's where we need to, to come to that base level. What, what, what does this mean by grace of God? Because there, I mean, if we understand Reformed theology, there's different levels or different um, grace that is being applied. There's a common grace that, that all people receive. And there's, and, and I think more specifically, when, when we're talking about irresistible grace, it is talking about that of salvation, that mm-hmm. gift that is given that, that a person cannot deny that, that, that gift of salvation. Yes. And I have to say it like this. Not only can we resist, but as R.C. Pro says it, we do resist. Now, this is talking about the unbeliever, the unregenerate, the, the natural man. Mm. You, you know, um, man, the thing about this is that people always po- are quick to point out, wait a minute. The Bible talks about resisting the Holy Spirit. The Bible talks about resisting uh, uh, God. So how can you say that God's grace is irresistible when there's scriptures to back up that it, that it's that's resistible? So I want to take a moment before we get into irresistible grace. Let's address those scriptures that talk about it, because a lot of people will be like, "Oh, see, I got you, I got you." But let's 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 turn to to one real quick. Acts chapter seven, verse fifty-one. Busted out right here. So this is one of the scriptures that that people will be used because it says it straight out that 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 people resist the Holy Spirit. It says right there, Acts chapter seven verse uh, fifty one. It says, "You stiff-necked people, uncircumcised in the heart and ears, you always resist the Holy Spirit, as your fathers did. So did you. Which of the prophets did your fathers not persecute? And they killed those who announced beforehand the coming of the righteous one, whom you have not betrayed and murdered. You who received the laws delivered by angels and did not keep it." So let's 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 look a little bit of context right context, here. Context, this context, is context, because context. context matters. Mm-hmm. Mm. Um, just yeah, this is a, a, a Stephen or Stephen, however you want to pronounce it. Uh, this is him uh, directing at the Pharisees. He's going through the history of, of how how God has been has been has been speaking to them. And, and by sending them prophets, by sending them the, the messages, the messengers. And then he gets to, the, to his final conclusion right, right here where he says, You stiff-necked people, uncircumcised of heart, you always resist the Holy Spirit. So now what does that mean? First off, he's addressing to the, to the, to the Pharisees. And let, let's look at the scripture. It says, You uncircumcised in heart. And so now, now that there's, there's a... Just I want, I want to bring up just how you, you said, Martin. There's an outward call. That outward call is 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 that that general call that that for us today, it's the, the preachers. We hear the word of God. We hear the words repent. We we go to a service and we, we hear the sermon and, and we're listening to these things. And so, one thing about the church is that the church now is mixed in with believers and unbelievers. And so, so God. Is speaking to the people through through the preacher through the word of God, but the out the the outward call is is talking to everybody in general. So, if God has not come in yet, people can and will resist the words repent. They mm-hmm. will resist the words of God. 
because only one power has been given. That's the outward call. And I want to reference one scripture real quick. In 1 Corinthians 2.14, it says, The natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him, and he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. So without the Holy Spirit taking residency in the person's heart, they're not going to be able to understand anything that you're saying in regards to the Word of God. They're going to hear the preacher. They're going to hear the words. They're going to hear, you know, repent and and and, and all all of these things. But the natural person is not going to is not going to understand these things, because the Holy Spirit has not come upon that person's heart. The heart is not regenerated. It's uncircumcised in heart. And so, and so the second scripture that I want to point out. Well, hold on. Before you go on to the next one. Remember in John 10, um, Jesus, uh, I'm pretty sure it's John 10, but he addressed the Pharisees and he says, uh, I lay my life down from my sheep. He says, you are not of my sheep, talking to the Pharisees. So he's like, you can't hear my voice because you are not of my flock. And so when they said, when Stephen told the Pharisees that you always resist the Holy Spirit, stiff-necked people, uncircumcised in heart, what is he telling them? That they're unregenerated. That's the same language that God used in the Old Testament against uh, rebellious Israel and, and, and told them you stiff-necked people, uncircumcised in heart. Meaning that work of the Holy Spirit hasn't even begun or has not even been at work in them. So of course, I, as you said, the natural man cannot receive the things of the spirit, of the spirit because they, they do not belong to the Lord. That, now, a lot of people will have a problem with that, but that's what the scripture says. Jesus told the Pharisees, you do not belong to me. Straight out like that. And, and that's a crazy thing to ponder too, because when when we hear these words, right, we, we hear you stiff-necked people. And then of course, when we look at Old Testament, and even in Hosea, when God is addressing uh-huh. Israel and saying how they are unrepentant and and not regenerated and 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 and, and you know in our context we try to um, use our context in a way to perceive what the scripture is saying because we may think of okay well they're unrepentant they're they're not circumcised of heart so they must be you know doing X Y and Z because all my unbelieving friends are doing X Y and Z but it's like no this this nation Israel were continuing and giving sacrifices these pharisees if anything like paul would go on address they 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 have self-righteousness to the t because they followed the law you know as as perfect as anyone could but they weren't circumcised in heart their heart was not for god they they were trying to achieve salvation through self-righteousness through their works not by any type of faith as abraham was able to attain it by faith and so, like, when we, when we hear these things, these people weren't far off from any person that we may see in our church today. Because, I mean, one of the other things, too, that we hear is, you know, Jesus will go on to say to those that, that do not have faith in Christ, depart from me, for I never knew you. All those that would say, Lord, Lord, did we not do this in your name? Why? Because they were never... They, they never received that grace, that salvific gift. And so, like, I, as you're pointing out, these people that, that, you know, quote unquote, resisted was because Christ never came or the Holy Spirit never made made an action to dwell into them. 
And that's the tough part because people will say, well, if they would just believe, then they would have been saved. No, they did not believe because they were not of the flock. It's not a question of, well, if they did, then they would have been saved. They would have been, been part of the elect because they, if they could just have that faith, then they would have. But that's not what the scripture says. The, the thing is that too, too much of, of tradition has been implemented onto the Bible to make it say something that it doesn't really say. So when the, when the scripture says, you do not believe because you're not of my flock, it does not mean what well, if they could have believed they still had the opportunity to believe. They just rejected it. No, they didn't believe because they, they didn't belong to the Lord. There's no if and There's or no buts. if and. That's what the scripture says. And so that's a mistake that a lot of people can make when, when getting into these doctrines, not to implement uh, what you've heard or your tradition into it and just read the scripture for what it says. People that do not believe do not believe because they are not of the Lord. Now, should that stop us? No, like we've been saying this whole time, we don't know who is or who is not. That's not that's not for us to 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 learn or, or to you know understand. We just know that the, our call is to call all people and give that general call, and the Lord will draw to Himself whom He has chosen. It's always that that question: To whom be the glory? To man who says, "I'm willing, come into my heart," or is it the glory to God that says? I'm coming in because you're mine. <laughs> but Jesus Christ, he's a gentleman. <laughs> he won't force himself. Look, and, and so so the, the opposite side, too, will say, well, God gives grace, but you also have to do your part. And and salvifically, I would say, no. Do we have to still do a, our part? We have a we responsibility. Save? We do have a responsibility to keep the commandments, to obey the Lord, to walk, to follow him after we've been regenerated but you do not work with god to be saved god doesn't be like all right i'm gonna meet you halfway and then you come the rest of the way no we then we would have something to boast about like i made god halfway i made it there and i deserve i deserve to get in because hey i made it this far nah if there's an, a small even small ounce of glory to man then God does not get 100% of the glory. The scriptures make it, make it clear that all glory goes to the Lord so that no one may boast. Nobody may boast. It's a God be the glory alone. So you, with, the term for that would be prevenient grace, meaning you work with God in order to be saved. He puts his part, you put it, your part in, and you both work together. Meaning how you were making the example of the altar earlier. Oh, you know, the Lord will come into your life. You just have to be willing and you have to let him in. That's what prevening grace means. And that, and I don't think that's what people think that they are doing. They think they're just being biblical, you know what I mean, when it comes to the altar calls and things like that. But that's, that's also a Roman Catholic view because the Roman Catholics will believe that too. God gives you a certain amount of grace, but you have to work with God in order to be saved and in order to maintain your salvation. That's why they got the sacraments. That's why they got, you know, all these other things that you got to do. And the Christian church has imitated the Roman Catholics in that sense too. Like you have to work with the Lord. He'll come into you. You just got to be willing. You just, just got to do this and you guys can work together in salvation. And that's what this doctrine is specifically against. Like, no, it's God who is the initiator. 
is God who commences the work in the in in the person and regenerates and kickstarts his heart. He he raises that dead soul, that dead person that's completely 100% dead. He raises him up from the dead. We see the story in in in, uh, in Ezekiel from the dead bones. They were dead. They were dry, dry bones. Did they have any uh, involvement in the resurrection? No. Did Lazarus have any involvement in his resurrection? No. Did the little girl that the Lord healed from from that fever have any involvement in her resurrection? No. None of them did. Because they were dead, as the scripture says, that we are dead in sins and our trespasses. So it has to be that the Lord does 100% of the work. And after we've been regenerated, after we've been made alive through Christ, then what? We are God's work, workmanship for good works. Now we are able to do these good works and please God out of our will. Now we're willing. Yeah, we're going to get to that second part right now, mm-hmm. actually. Because when we're talking about the outward call, that even the Bible says that many are called, but few are chosen. Mm-hmm. That few are, are, God has given them the ability to receive to, to receive uh, the grace of God. And it's irresistible. They will do it. They Just like you mentioned that scripture before, they will come to me. They will. It's not like they might be or, or they may be. No, they will come to me just like that bug and bug's life who saw the light they will come to that light they will they will get there the other because fly that, wasn't chosen it, yeah the other fly wasn't <laughs> chosen dang but that inward call so now this is the inward call that we're talking about right here and I wrote this note right here it says that the inward call is the call of the Holy Spirit who convicts who convicts the soul of sin righteousness and judgment basically uh, he hears the the preacher hears the word of God and the Holy Spirit is now starting to move in that person's life and starts convicting him of his sin because many people go to church and they're not even convicted by sin because the preacher is not even preaching the word of God. So it's, it's you know it's all messed up right there. But the inward call, the the person he's he's, he's receiving the word the word of God and the Holy Spirit starts 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 to come in and starts convicting that person of sin and says, man, I need to repent. Why? Because my eyes have been opened, my heart has been regenerated to be able to receive these things. And so that's why R.C. Sproul says it: regeneration precedes faith, because we're talking about regeneration now. In order for this heart of stone to be able to receive the grace of God in the salvation in, in regards to salvation, this heart of flesh must be transformed first to be able to receive uh, uh, the words of God, to, to so that the Holy Spirit can take residency. The Holy Spirit must transform the heart. Even Jesus said to to to. Um, to Nicodemus, how can one be born, be born again? And this is talking about being uh, being a uh, you know regenerated from the heart. That God will take out that heart of stone. He will take out that that heart and give you a heart of flesh. And He says that uh, um, um, the Word of God says that uh, you will follow My statutes. You will be I will, able. I will make. I will them, make, I will make them, you. Make you. Yeah. <laughs> And so now I want I want to take you to an example of, of what what does this what does this mean because also we we can't we can't say that we're robots 
It's not like like we're being forced into this and just like, oh man, you know, I'm I'm a robot and just God just causes some going in. This is a hyper Calvinist would say, yeah, you are a robot. No, but you're not a robot. Uh, Acts 16 verse 14 to 15. I'm gonna, I have it right here. This is a uh, uh, when Paul w- was making his his trip and, and starting up the church, and it comes to the city in, in Philippi, and where he saw a group of women uh, right there, and so God uh, God just used Paul right there. And let me read the scripture: Acts 16 verse 15 to Acts 16 14 to 15. One who heard us was a woman named, named Lydia from the city of Thyatira, a seller of purple goods, who was a worshiper of God. The Lord opened her heart to pay attention to what was said by Paul. Mm-mm-mm. And after she was baptized and her household as well, she urged us saying, if you have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come to my house and stay. And she prevailed upon us. But but look at what the scripture is saying right there, that the Lord opened her heart to pay attention and so we cannot neglect that, yeah, that, that we do have a responsibility to, to respond in faith, but God opens a heart in the first place to, and he gives us the faith to respond in that faith. And so just like I said before that once our eyes are open, uh, to, um, if we're blind, our eyes are open, we can't be blind again because our eyes have been open to, to the beauty of who God is, the conviction of our sin. And we, we must come to Christ. We will come to Christ because our hearts have been open to receiving the word of God and respond in faith and so be saved. Why? Because we have been chosen by God. So like you said, we're, we're not what? We're not robots. Man, you could have told me I would have inserted that clip <laughs> instead of you having to play your phone on the microphone. So we're tripping you with it, man. We ain't we're no we're not robots now. We're not robots, but God <laughs> gives us the ability to follow him, to receive him, to receive his irresistible grace, because we will come to him. Yeah. Amen. And 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 for that that uh the scripture that you mentioned earlier back in Matthew, where Jesus gives the parable of the uh, the the feast and, and those whom were were called the invited guests. That's a, hey, I'm gonna be real. That's a tough one, man. Um, even us who hold to uh, reform theology, Calvinistic teachings, man, we gotta admit that there's some scriptures that that on the outward look you'd be like, man, that, I don't know, man. You know, pretty tough. Some, some pretty tough scriptures, but that's why the study of scripture is so important to look at its context, to look at references, to really study and do the work to see what it says. Because we can take a lot of these uh, verses and really out of context and say something that doesn't mean. Mm-hmm. So I just say, I just want to say that it's important to actually study those tough scriptures. Uh, I have a commentary here um, in the Reformation Study Bible, and it says the preaching of the gospel represents the outward call of God. This call is heard audibly by both the elect and the non-elect. Human beings have the ability to resist and refuse the outward call. He will not respond to the outward call in faith unless or until the outward call is accompanied by the effectual inward call of the Holy Spirit. And and I think that that, that sheds more light when, when he goes on to sum up that many are called but few are chosen. Many have been preached to. Many have heard 
the gospel call, but not all that have heard it were chosen by God. Because we know that the gospel is the means by which people will have faith. Mm-hmm. There, there has to be a means for faith, and that is the preaching of the word. That is why we are to go out and, and, and deci- make disciples of all nations. We are to go out and preach the gospel. Why? Because it is by that very means of us preaching, people, the, the elect will hear and they will come to faith. Why? Because the effectual calling will be accompanied with the out- outward call. Yeah, and and, th- and man, this is this is this is where it starts to get a little bit deep because God is just in the condemnation of those who reject the gospel, because those who hear the general call to salvation and refuse it, they are one hundred percent guilty of refusing the gospel. So God is just in condemning the person who refuses to believe the gospel because that person is doing it out of his his own free will. He's doing it, you know, in the sense of that, you know what I mean? Out of his own his own heart, out of his own mentality, he's consciously um, refusing to believe the gospel. And that's how every man is apart from the grace of God. Now the grace of God comes on those um, who God has chosen and God is just and merciful and as the scripture says the just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus because how we said earlier in the beginning of the episode it's only by, by God's grace that anybody is saved like the question isn't still um, why does God only save a certain few why, why would God save any of us God would have been just at the very beginning to just wipe out Adam and Eve and just, you know, you know, they sinned, just throw this one away. Just start a new one, you know? But no, God has a bigger purpose and a bigger uh, plan of salvation. And we don't, we don't understand the mind of God. His ways are higher than our ways. He, God chose to glorify himself in the, in the, in the suffering death of his son. As Jesus says, no love has greater than this than to lay your life down for a friend. And I do not call you my servants no longer because a servant doesn't know his master, but I call you my friends. So with all this comes the the love of God in the choosing, not only in the choosing, but Jesus Christ coming down and actually walking among us and actually keeping the law that we couldn't keep, dying a death that we should have taken, but he took the punishment of him, of the wrath of God upon himself and then defeated death on the resurrection and then rose from the dead and they seated at the right hand of the Father. Where are we in that? We're, we're the sinners that made Jesus Christ come down in the first place. So we take no part in any of that. He did the work 100% fully of it to redeem a people for himself. And, you know, a lot of people will say, well, you know, why are only a few saved? Why why are only just a handful or a small chosen? Why, why not the whole world, right? And I honestly believe that there's going to be more people saved than there is people lost. Just because of this right here. In Romans 5, it says this. 
but the free gift is not like the trespass. For if many died through the one man's trespass, much more have the grace of God and the free gift by the grace of that, of that one man, Jesus Christ, abounded for many. So I, I, I would say to that that it says much more the grace of God and the free gift by, by the grace of that one man, Jesus Christ, abounded for many. So I don't know. To me, that's my personal conviction that much more people are going to receive salvation than are lost. When you just look at the span of, you know, the history of the beginning of the world, you know what I mean? Because we can we can look at our, you know, ourselves in this world, the people who are alive. There's eight billion people on this earth, and like not all eight billion people are going to be saved, you know. But who knows? You know what I mean? But I believe that. Much more the grace where sin abounds, much more the grace of God abounds. To I believe more people. To those people that say that it's not fair. What's wrong with you people? <laughs> uh, shout out to you guys because you guys really upset me. <laughs> <laughs> no, Who are I'm, you, I'm, old man. <laughs> I, I'm serious because, uh, especially when it comes to these things, it it upsets me in in this way. Right the, 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 ver- the very ones that say that it's not fair are the very ones that are not preaching the gospel to their family. Because, toes, bro. because when it comes to, to this topic or when people try to um, bring their misconception as a straw man against these teachings, they're, they're really hiding behind something they're failing to do in their own personal walk. Mm-mm. And... Mm. When they're saying it's not fair, and, and you know, I, I'll say I was on 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 that end as well, because ultimately we're saying why why is it not fair? Because I have loved ones, I have parents, I have family, I have friends that that I want to see come to salvation. It's not fair that God would choose people. So what are you saying? They're not going to come? Well, my argument to my older self and to anyone else that that continues to stand on this position is. If that's what you believe, then why are you not preaching to your family? Why are you not preaching to those people that you just listed? If you truly believe that they can make a decision for it, preach to them. Share the gospel to them. You should be placking up the gospel everywhere you go. Because, man, and and that's what really grinds my gears on these things because... You know what really grinds my gears? (laughs) You. No. (laughs) No, because... It's, it's when we have this mentality that is not fair because of everything that in culture, you know, gives us in our mindset that, you know, you're entitled to this or whatever it may be. We ultimately come to this point where it's like, okay, if we believe that it's not fair, then what are we really doing in our own walk? Are we really preaching the gospel to people? Or are we, because if for, for those that, that have this idea, they, they think that election is something that will just happen without preaching Mm-mm-mm. and so and so when when this happens they say it's not fair rules because they're not the ones preaching to the family or because their family continues to reject and so they're saying it's not fair because because they've maybe seen their own family reject then in their mind they're like it's over with them if this is true when that's not the case that's why we continue to preach the gospel even the people in the church that's why the people in the church hear the gospel more times than those out in the streets. Yeah. Every sermon should always lead back to Christ. Mm-hmm. And that's why we partake of communion. Why? 
because in that we remember the gospel. This, this, I mean, this is why a, a church should be so centered on the gospel and not assume that every person in the seats are saved. Yeah. That every person in the seats are a believer. They may be outwardly accepting the call to come to a service, but I mean, I mean, like myself and, and you and, and maybe some of you that may be listening that have been a part of a congregation for a number of time. We, we know that there are people in the service that end up leaving, that end up, um, that we can see the fruits of their life that they have not yet truly, genuinely put a faith in Christ as their savior. And so that is why the gospel needs to continue to be preached. I mean, even my own testimony, I was, you know, before I, I find myself truly repenting before God and, and acknowledging and, and actually bearing fruit in such a way that I knew that I was saved and, and, and genuinely his child was already, you know, sometime already being in church. I was going to a church a year before um, I went to our former church. And then, and then, then I was already going to church to, to my former church for for about a year, a little bit more over than a year. And it wasn't until then that I actually responded to a gospel call. I was already in the church for already almost two years until I actually had that that moment of, man, this is what it's like. This is what it's like to genuinely love God and want to serve Him. Because I would say beforehand, I, I would do so more so because I was caught up with, with everyone around me doing it with me. But it wasn't until after some time of constantly hearing that I knew it was God that, that called me effectively in that moment. So even then, let us continue to preach the gospel. Here's what I got to say that God was never obligated to give anybody mercy. As a judge, he he's... He must give justice where justice is due. And so the fact that Jesus stepped down out of his glory, came incarnate in the flesh, lived the life that that we could live the sinless life for the purpose of him knowing that he was dying on the cross to offer salvation. That is something beautiful right there. And I can't, I can't, um, I can't go, uh, we can't go out with it without the series without quoting from the Bible, this text. I have to read this text. John chapter six, verse 35. We always talk about it, but let me, let me read it to you. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. But I said to you that you have seen me and yet you do not believe all that the father gives me will come to me and whoever comes to me i will never cast out for i've come down from heaven not to do my will but the will of him who sent me and this is the will of him who sent me that i should lose nothing of all that he has given me but raise it up on the last day for this is the will of my father that everyone who looks on the son and believes in him shall have eternal life and i will raise him up at the last day and so all who come to him, all who look upon the son who believes shall have eternal life. Everyone who looks at him, everyone who believes on him shall shall have eternal life. And and just let me read this scripture real quick. Also in verse 44, 
No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him, and I will raise him up on the last day. It is written in the prophets, and they will all be taught by God. Everyone who has heard and learned from the Father comes to me. Not that anyone has seen the Father except he who is from God. He has seen the Father. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes has eternal life. And so this is the will of Jesus coming down, that he's going to lose nothing. So come so come to him. He, he will draw you, draw you to him. He says, no one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him, and I will raise him up at the last day. I love how R.C. Sproul breaks it down. You have to, if you have not heard R.C. Sproul when he talks about this text, you have to go, you have to go listen to that one. He, because he, he explains that no one, no one can. That means no one has the ability. Nobody can come to him. Nobody has the ability to come to the Father unless the Father who sent me draws him. And I love how he explains it. That it's not like like he's a he's um. Um, I forgot the word that he uses. That, that, that's not like, like he, he's saying, like, like, come to me, come, you know, come to me. Drawing. Drawing, drawing, but but he uses a, a, a different word. Woo? Woo, yeah. It's not like he's wooing him, like, you know, come, I'll, I'll give you eternal life. Just come here, come here, or whatever, you know? But it's kind of like uh, a drawing him. He uses the, the, the purpose of, I mean, the, the word, the same word that they used to draw water wow. out of a well. Yeah. And what does he do? He drags them. Yeah. He doesn't ask him. He's not. Oh, Jesus is a gentleman. If you come to him, no, he's not. Come on, water, that. hop in the bucket. Come on, water, come here. Come on, come on, water, come on. No, draws means you have to drag the water out of the well, and that is the same picture that God does to us. He will draw, draw, draw us to Him. Again, no one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him, and I will raise him up on the last day. And so, all the glory, as we as we said in this series, all the glory goes to God all of it because it was nothing of our own he regenerates our heart through the Holy Spirit gives us the faith to believe and and as we're going to talk about in the next series he doesn't even leave us hang, hanging the saints will persevere because God preserves them but that that's that's for next episode yeah but even that in John 6 44 it says um, all who come to me they will be I would look, look, look this is what it says he doesn't say, I, I will raise them from the dead. I will raise him from the dead. So this, what it does, it personalizes a little bit more. You know, the opposite view, the Armenian view, where like he just died in general for the whole world. And it, and he made po- salvation possible so that whosoever believes, you know what I mean, is able to get saved. But this really internalizes and makes it more personal. I will raise him from the dead. Those who have put their faith in Christ, you best believe that God knows you and he will raise you because he knows you. You are his. You belong to him and you will be raised on the last day. So we can have that assurance of salvation, which, you know, we're going to talk about in the next episode. But, you know, just remember that, that those whom the father draws who come to the son, they will be raised on the last day. And. I don't know if anyone has said this before, but I'm glad that his grace, his grace is irresistible because ultimately if we're talking about God's grace, if there was any hint that it could be resisted, we, we all would have failed. We all yeah. would have resisted. Why? Because man in, in natural, in, in, in our sinful state, we continue to reject God. 
we are blasphemers we no we don't even want to seek after god and and i'm so glad that it is irresistible why because i know that something had to happen outside of myself Mm -hmm. for me to be where i'm at today god had to make an intervention in my life that was against my will for me to want god and you know we could go back to you know ephesians 2 that example of dead we were dead in our trespasses and sins you know can a dead man resist life if if if, if someone was drowned at the bottom of the water and you know you you pull them up can that person resist you as you resuscitate them no Hmm. we were dead Jesus Christ, by Jesus Christ, we were made alive. We were made alive. We weren't asked <laughs> to be made alive. We yeah. were made alive. Did that man, does does that man now have the option to be like, no, nah, I don't want this. Go back dead? No. <laughs> That's foolish. <laughs> He's alive already. He can't go back. So it, it, it's, it's, it's irresistible in that sense that why would you want to resist it? Who, who would want to resist life? If, if I mean, it only goes to show that the one that, you know, was perceived as resisting the grace of God is because they didn't really know the grace that was bestowed upon them. They didn't really know what what that meant, what this fully encapsulated. Their ears were not truly open. Their eyes were not truly open. Because when we, I mean, for, for those of us that, that have been born again and we read the scriptures, we see that man... How can I resist this? Where can I go? Right? Peter makes that, you know, beautiful distinction. Well, who else? Where can we go? Whom, whom else can we go that has the words of life? And even then, when, when Paul would go on to articulate, even the sufferings and the pains of this world is not in any comparison for the glory that is to come. Even with that type of view, how can I not come to him? How can I try to resist such a grace, the glory that is to come to those that have received the grace? How can we resist that? We can't because we won't want to. Yeah. And and every believer, you know, will have that point where they no longer can resist, you know, and they will fully come submitted to the Lord. Oh, yeah, man. So, hey, you know, I think these I think all these things tie in together and, you know, and it's very important for personal notification to study these things. And like how we keep on saying it's going to affect your evangelism. It's going to affect you the way you endure with people, the way you talk to people. It, it really does it for the for the good. You know what I mean? So it's, it's, it's these are important for that reason, for the self edification to affect your Christian walk. You know what I mean? So get in, get into it. Yeah, and, and especially as we wrap up right now, um, this fourth point, when we understand total depravity, we would better understand irresistible grace. Yeah. Because when we really understand that, then we come to that conclusion, there has to be a grace that is irresistible to come to us. This Why? is the means through where God works. And, and that's the only way. Mm-hmm. Um, and as we see it in his beauty, it does fall in line. Mm-hmm. Why? Because if man in, left himself in sinful nature, he will never want to choose God. And so therefore God would have to choose people. And through that, he would have to send a means by which they can be saved, exactly. which is Christ mm-hmm. and his atonement, which is limited to those who would believe. 
mm-hmm. which is the ones whom God has chosen before the foundations of the earth. And this is the call through which they are saved. God, you, you see that this is all God. It's all the sovereignty of God behind all of this. If, if how else are people supposed to be saved unless God is the one who's drawing them to himself and man cannot save himself? If, if we're totally depraved and we can't, you know, do anything to, we don't even have it within himself to see God, then God has to change that situation and choose the people that he's going to save. After that choosing, he pays a price for them. And now, in order for them to, to come to this uh, salvation, there has to be a means through which they, they come. And that's the, gos- the gospel, the gospel call, the internal call that God has towards those whom he knows, not only that he knows, from those who he, he has called since before the foundation of the world. And so we're going to see on the next episode that he just doesn't bring them to himself and then abandons them. No, he continues the work. So the work of of God, the Holy Spirit is from regeneration to our physical death. He continues to work in us to sanctify us, to purify us, to to build us up, to adopt us, to to do all. the, The only reason why we do good works is because Jesus Christ lives in us. Apart from Jesus Christ, we have our, our works are, are vain. What's the point of an atheist going to uh, a homeless shelter and, feed, and, and feeding the homeless? It's vanity. He's going to die anyways. Who cares? You know, it's vanity. Who, who, who cares what you're doing in this life if it's not really unto God? It's just going to be a vain work. 50 years from now, no one's going to care about that. But... If you're doing it unto the Lord and we're believers in Jesus Christ, there's a benefit that we reap in heaven as Jesus says, store for yourselves treasures in heaven. And we have an inheritance. We have a promise. We have something to look forward to. And that is not even of ourselves. We give all the glory to God because we would say, hey, if it wasn't for the Lord, I wouldn't even be doing this. So we see that it's a, it's a work of, of the Spirit. It's, it's a triune work. The Father uh, elects, the Son pays for their sin, and the Spirit draws them into Himself and regenerates them. So this even comes down to neglect these doctrines. In a sense, you're neglecting even the triune God. You're neglecting that because they, they are all co-equal, co-eternal, and this is a way through which he saves people. They work in perfect unity to each other to reach salvation to those whom, whom are the elect of God. Uh, as, you're, as you're speaking right now, I'm reminded of that, that story that, that you shared, Justin, about uh, uh, Martin Lloyd? Martin Lloyd Oh Jones. yeah, Martin Lloyd-Jones. Uh because I feel like nowadays, with the way the church is going, with all altar calls going, we want to act like the Holy Spirit and declare people saved when they're not. And then people wonder why, you know, they keep going back to their sins because the heart's not been regenerated. But you shared a story about Martin Lloyd Jones, how uh, he was preaching. He was preaching this, this, this hard, like, good sermon that, that um, 
that that person was was convicted of a sin at that moment, right? I believe. You yeah, the the man was so moved and convicted, but at the end of the sermon, um, Martin Lloyd Jones didn't do an altar call um, where people would come up and give their lives to the Lord. He didn't do that at the end of his service. He doesn't do that at the end of his services. And so the man left, and then as the days went on, the the pastor Martin Lloyd Jones he ended up coming. And, and um, he ended up um, he ended up seeing this man right a couple of days later, and the guy told him he said, you know what if you would have done that that call the altar call at the end of service I would have given my life to the Lord. And and so and so then uh, Marlo Jones says, well I'm glad I didn't give you the call because if if I did you would have turned away. But if I didn't give the call and you were truly converted and you were truly convicted, you would still, uh, you would still be, um, you would still have that same. Um, well, first he told him, do you, do, you, do you feel the same way as you did then? Still convicted of your sin? He says, no. So, well, I'm glad I didn't call you because if, if God truly had begun to work in you then, he would still be continuing it right now. Yeah. Yeah, and I'm reminded of that story as we're, as, as we're speaking because I just remember to to me of uh, uh, when I you know I, I want to use my words carefully. I, I don't want to say when, when when I chose Christ or something like that, but when God was calling me, uh, I just remember there was something going on within me that I, I even right now I can't explain it. But even when when I would go back, you know, it was my transition, my transition time. Even when I would go back to the drugs, it just didn't feel the same. It just felt like this isn't right. Why why am I doing this? Like the heart was was starting to like, oh man, like I I shouldn't be. This is not me. Why am I doing this? I, like my eyes were open to like why. So so I think that so I believe that because we believe that uh, regeneration precedes faith. So so I believe that the heart was starting to transform to 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 to. To give, to, to be ready, to to give our lives to Christ, to that that ability to come to Christ. So at the point when when that regeneration happened and faith came in, I could not turn back because regeneration precedes faith. It's God who who transforms the heart first to be able to, and that's when the Holy Spirit comes in. And so I remember a week after that, I was I was just reading and praying, and, and I just remember. With it, just within time, I didn't go to church at that time, so no altar call was given to me. <laughs> but it's the Holy Spirit confirmed through the Word of God, and just within myself that, yeah, I'm 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 crisis. I didn't I, I didn't I didn't go through the altar call experience or that emotional experience or anything like that. I mean, at that time, I wasn't even going to a church. I just but God drew me in. He called me. So just I'm, I'm reminded of that that you don't need Amen. an altar call to to come to Christ. It's not it's not about the sinner's prayer or anything like that. God draws you in, and those He will draw, He will raise up at the last day. Yeah, Amen, Amen. And, and as we end this episode, I, I think a, a good application that we can continue to take is, a, a, you know, for us personally, is to give praise, man. Give praise and worship your Creator. Worship the One who has given you salvation. Why? Because he had done so. He made a way to intervene in your life that you would want the things of God, that you would have this gift of salvation that is a gift, not of your own works, not of your own exertion or anything that you would ever do. 
but it's been given as a gift. And then also to the second application always would be, let us preach the gospel. Because this is the means by which people are saved. The more, the, 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 the more we are able to preach, there is an assurance that we could take hold of that those that hear the word will come. Those whom were called by God, those who were chosen by God. Amen. And before we wrap up this episode real quick, just want to go ahead and address. We have an email that was sent to us by Eric Parada. He asked about limited atonement from our previous episode, and we just want to go ahead and answer his questions real quick. He says, hey, guys, a couple questions about the teaching. God only loves a certain number of people, not the whole world. So he only died for a few. Why not everyone? Also, how does one know if they are part of the elect or not? Thank you, Eric. Those are great questions, Eric. And I just want to take this time right here real quick just to answer those because I feel an email doesn't do it justice. You know, because I, I like I like to go back into history and answer all these questions and you know give context, but it's easier to just do it like this. So God only loves a certain number of people, not the whole world. Um, there's a a a uh, common grace that God has upon his creation. So there is a type of love that God has for the world. Um, that he allows people to wake up in the morning, uh, to enjoy good food, to have a good day, to enjoy the pleasures of this life, um, but not salvifically, right? It's only by the love of God and the grace of God that people, you know, are able to live and breathe and enjoy the good things of this world. That's part of the common grace of God and the love of God that he allows guilty sinners that should be damned to hell that he gives them another day. So in that sense, God does love the world, but not salvifically. So he only died for a few. Why not everyone? So the scripture says in Romans 5, uh, it, it uses the word many. So I think that's a misconception right there that it says only a few, like it's only only a handful, like a third you know, of the world, you know, I mean, I don't have the number of how much, but I believe it's going to be many, according to uh, Romans chapter five and verses 18 to 21 that I quoted earlier. So I believe it's not a few. I believe that it, it will be many. And why not? Why not everyone? Why? Why? Um, why didn't God just save the whole world? He's capable of doing that. Right. So we, we believe that the sacrifice of Jesus Christ was uh, sufficient to save the whole world, but it's only efficient for those who have placed their faith in Jesus Christ. So I believe this. I believe that God did not save the whole world because God is just also he, his justice and his mercy and his grace. We wouldn't know about that if everyone would just be saved in order for God to reveal his justice, his grace and his mercy. There has to be people who are damned and condemned to hell so that the grace of God can abound even more. So God does not save the whole world because God chose to glorify himself in this way to make his justice known, to make his nurse, his mercy known and make his uh, grace known uh, upon those who have not received that condemnation for those who have placed their faith in Jesus Christ. They would be able to glorify God more because they know what they were saved from. They know that they are guilty of their sin and they should have been in hell, but they're able to glorify God even more because 
they know that God saved them. And it wasn't because of them, it was because of God. And I believe the praise and worship of God in eternity is going to be much more deeply profound than any church service on this earth. You know? And so how does one know if they are part of the elect or not? I would say go to 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 13 through 11. I'll read that real quick just to... Hold up. Wait a minute. Let me put some Peter in it. <laughs> okay. Second Peter chapter one says this. Um, Therefore, I intend to remind you of these qualities, though you know them and are established in the truth that you have. I think it right as long as I am in this body or to stir a reminder since I know that the putting off of my body will be soon. Man, I always do this, man. I get the wrong scripture, man. For these qualities are yours and increasing. And they keep you from being inactive or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For whoever lacks these qualities are nearsighted and blind. Um, and blind, having forgotten that he was cleansed from his former, former sins. Therefore, brothers, be all the more diligent to confirm your calling and election. For if you practice these qualities, you will never fall. And so earlier in the verse, he's saying, um, you know, uh, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue and with virtue, knowledge and knowledge, self-control and self-control, steadfastness and steadfastness with godliness and godliness with brotherly affection and brotherly affection with love. And for these qualities are yours and increasing. They keep you from from being inactive or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. So the way you make your calling and election sure is by the fruit of the spirit. It's basically what it is. You know the fruit that you produce. You know um, what God has done in you to the point where you can't go back anymore. To the point where if you feel very uncomfortable in your sin, that's how you know that God has been done the work in your life. And you're a part, part of God's chosen people. So make every effort to making your calling and election sure by examining yourself and examining the fruit that you have to see whether you truly belong to Christ or not. I would even recommend to um, on YouTube or on um, podcasts, go ahead and look up Paul Washer and his sermon, um, Are You God's Workmanship? It's an hour long, but man, that he basically answers that whole question there. Are you his workmanship? How do we know we are his workmanship? How do we know that we are um, the elect how we know we are his chosen and ultimately is because the holy spirit will confirm it in us mm -hmm. we won't be able to do the things we once did before we will have a guilty conscience before us we will have a conviction like we have not before when we were in the things of the world and and it's a beautiful thing Amen. because they, it just reassures us it brings us to that point like man i i really am god's now 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 I now I am assured to continue forward. No hiccups. Amen. So gracias Eric for sending in that email. Go ahead and send your emails, your questions, comments, concerns, or rebukes at reformrasa at gmail.com or reformrasa.com. 
go ahead and send um, your questions, comments, concerns. Well, right now the website is on pause. I'm doing editing on the okay, website. Okay, cool. But cool. until further notice, it will be back up. There you go. Good to, good to know. Reformblast at gmail.com. Go ahead and follow us on Instagram, on Facebook. And go ahead and comment, like, share, do all that fun stuff. Don't forget to hit up that GoFundMe for that Redeem Radio project. Uh, Redeem Project, project Radio. Radio. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what I said. Redeem Project, Project Radio. Radio. <laughs> Go ahead. And if, if the Lord so has put it in your heart to donate, we would truly appreciate that. But first, do not donate unless you are given. You are giving to your local church first. And if so, God will put it in your heart to give to us afterwards. And after your bills are paid, after you got the lights on, after you pay your car note, after you give your wife some feria and all that fun stuff. And if the Lord still has called you to give us a little bit, we'll truly appreciate that. You could sacrifice one Starbucks drink Dang. to send us a little donation. <laughs> <laughs> so this is Reform Raza. We are out of here. We do this to glorify God through the edification of the saints. Grow as we grow. A rato vatos. Peace. Later. Anything and everything this life has to offer, it's true. And oftentimes we trade the temporal satisfaction for the things the genuine believer is entitled to. I'm convinced that it's because they don't understand that there exists an order of benefits of redemption that's applied to his bride. And the basis for his choice and election was for God alone to decide. And it's not like an invitation that one might accept or reject, but rather it's the effectual calling, drawing to himself his elect. Regenerating and enabling us to respond in faith towards Christ. 
giving us the gift of repentance, revealing the nature of his sacrifice, binding us with the true intellectual realization of our sinful condition, converting us and turning us from our previous malicious disposition, ultimately leading to a legal declaration by God that we've been made right in his sight, justification being credited to us on the basis of the righteousness of Christ, adopted to be children of God and grafted into fellowship, being bound together by the blood of Christ into a common membership. Sanctified by the Spirit, given gradual growth and holiness, increasing in our thinking and behaving in ways that shows that we're chosen. And all the while being preserved and upheld according to a sovereign providence, giving us confidence that He will carry us to completion just like He promised.